We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast, coming to you live after the Chargers win over the Houston Texans. Uh, just me and Tyler today. No Alex, who's uh, prepping for a medical school exam, and Arjun is uh, taking the night off as well. It's all good. That's why there's four of us, right? So we can uh, you know, have episodes like this. So it's just me and Tyler today. Tyler, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing so well. It feels like forever since the Chargers won a game. Okay, it hasn't been that long, but... After that whopping against the uh, Jaguars, it was nice to listen. Didn't care that it was the Texans. Just nice to see a W and currently potentially the Broncos losing to the Raiders, but we'll see. Yeah, I uh, so I'm recording at my in-laws, right? And so I walked uh, into the house right as uh, Russell Wilson was hitting KJ Hamler on that uh, big play and then scored the touchdown. So uh, we'll see you there, but... Uh, yeah, obviously here to recap the, uh, the win today. Uh, first and foremost, have to start. You know, obviously yesterday we did a uh, Q and A fundraiser for Trace Walk, Trace Whitaker, excuse me, uh, Zach Whitaker and his family. That you know they had a new baby and having some uh, tough medical issues recently. So we had a, a positive update about Trace today. So that's that's uh, very good to hear. Love to hear that in the middle of uh, the Chargers game. So continuing to uh, send them some well wishes. Uh, I'll be sure to uh, post the link to the GoFundMe again uh, if anybody uh, wants to uh, continue to donate to that specific cause and uh, obviously giving a big uh, shout out to Trace and Zach and the rest of the Whitaker family first and foremost today. Yeah, 
huge. At some point in the middle of the game, they gave that update, and that just supersedes anything football-related at that point because I, I can't imagine what they were going through. And for them to already have some very positive news about that situation, I just, like, we had already won. I tweeted out, like, I don't care what the score is. Like, we won today because we were worried. And obviously, they were so worried. Like, I can't imagine what they're going yeah. through. And for there to be positive news and for you guys to, you know, just from our stream and from you guys going straight to the GoFundMe, raised over $1,300 for them. I mean, are you kidding me? Huge for the Bolt fam, huge for the Whitaker family. I'm, I'm just, I was so relieved to see that post. Yeah, man, it's it's uh you know obviously stuff like that puts things into perspective. I mean, Brooke and I are coming up on five years. We're starting to have, you know, the conversations of of having children, and I know you guys are getting married, you know, in the near future as well. So uh, it hits a little closer to home than obviously we would hope. So, like I said, uh, first and foremost, all the positive thoughts to the Whitaker family, and uh, glad to hear that positive update. So, um, all right, we'll dive into this uh, matchup again. Of course, the Chargers coming out victorious. Uh, 34 to 24 was a little closer, a little closer comfort today. Uh, but like you said, you know, I feel like the entire fan base could take a little bit of a, a big sigh of relief uh, coming off of this game. So, um, of course, the Chargers jump out to an early lead. Texans, you know, swing right back and then Chargers ultimately seal the deal. So, Tyler, uh, what's your kind of biggest takeaway as we kind of start with a general scope and then hone into some of the specific standouts and things like that um, from this victory by the Chargers? momentum I, I think is the standout of the day both because the texans regained it but also just it feels like with the offense it just everything seems so difficult the first three weeks you know and maybe you get a you know an, a carter touchdown down the seam or or something but it just felt like a, a dog fight all the time and not that there weren't moments of that today and in the second half they struggled a bit but it just felt like they were getting into a rhythm that looked a bit more like we're used to from this team they scored mm -hmm. 34 points they had 18 plays of, of 10 or more uh, or 10 yards or more, they just looked better. And they did it with, first of all, Sawyer at left tackle, but also getting it, you know, getting Mike Williams back into the groove of things and getting Austin Eckler back into the groove of things. And it feels like this is a team, yes, they did it against the Texans, a not very good defense, but they needed this. And the momentum heading into the rest of the year, hopefully, you finally get Keenan back in limited capacity next week. You're definitely getting Donald Parham back, barring no setbacks. You're starting to build momentum, and it felt like the Chargers found a way to win and to move on offense without having to rely on you know those star guys that are out. Like it felt like okay, we were shocked heading into the year that we lost Keenan Allen so quickly, and that Donald Parham had a setback. There were drives over and over and over again in the training camp. Allen, 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 Parham touchdown over and over again, and it didn't seem like they really knew how to get that momentum going and and get it to other guys today whether it's, you know, Eckler on a screen um, that should have gone for more also, um, yeah. you know, Mike Williams on crossers. It just felt like more guys were able to get more involved. They it looked like they finally found a way to get some of these guys involved where before it was just like, I don't know, hopefully somebody can separate. Today it felt like they really got things going and there's momentum building into the coming weeks. Yeah, I think my biggest takeaway is really kind of in a similar vein because I feel like we – you know, we always hear the cliches of, you know, you have to fight through adversity and you have to battle back. You have to be, you know, mentally tough and um, momentum and, you know, being able to fight through injuries and all this stuff. And I think, you know, this team showed a lot in, in my opinion, by starting the game the way that they did. And so we've seen several Chargers teams in the past, you know, lose a game like the Chiefs and obviously the blowout happens and other teams in the past we've seen wilt again after that. And so, 
to me, you know, I feel like you felt the sense of urgency from the team, from the from the coaching staff, like you said, getting people in rhythm. Um, you know, it was just a a focus point in my opinion. So, um, you know, I've been hard on the coaching staff this year. I know everybody has been harping on Joe Lombardi, but just kind of like the preparation standpoint has not been great. And there were certainly some issues today. Um, but you felt like this team was motivated. You felt like they came back and fought uh, through this adversity, both from last week, you know, losing Rashawn Slater, losing Joey Bosa, and coming about this week in that fashion, I think says a lot. And I think it also says a lot that they were able to withstand the in-game uh, adversity as well, you know, losing <laughs> losing that kind of lead. And you have the DeAndre Carter fumble, but that would have broken Chargers teams of the past, and it didn't today. They were able to, you know, ultimately hold on. Uh, kind of similarly felt like the Steelers game last year, where it just felt like mm -hmm. late in the third yeah. quarter, where you're like, oh my God, the Chargers are going to really lose this game. Uh, but ultimately, you know, they were able to fight through it and uh, come out victorious, which I think it was definitely needed. We talked about this yesterday. This team needed to come out with a win, and, you know, they were able to do that. It, obviously, there's things to clean up, and we'll get into them. But they needed this win, and I think they their urgency and their energy, I think, showed that. Yeah, that's actually spot on with the Steelers game. They That ridiculous comeback. There's no way they could possibly, oh, God, here we go, and then <laughs> all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But it, it was nice to see them not just kind of like the defense barely hung on, the Texans missed a field goal. No, it was we scored a touchdown, we got an interception, game over. Like both sides of the football really just kind of closed things out. Would I like to see that the entire game? Sure, but it was nice that it wasn't just like, oh, the Chargers escaped with a win. And they sort of did, but they yeah. kind of, they ended the game. Like, they ended the game on their own terms, even though they let the Texans back. The Texans never got back ahead, and the Chargers just sealed it. So it was really nice to see, and really nice to see Brendan Staley go for it on fourth down, which really kind of set the tone. We were waiting for Staley to, to do that in a really critical situation. Uh, after getting away from that a bit, he went back to that. And it just felt like the offense from there on just kind of like, okay, like we're going to finish this game instead of being like, like, will we, I will punt yeah. it and then maybe the defense will hold. Like, no, once they got that fourth down, it was like, okay, yeah, we're going to finish this game. We got this. And they did. They closed it out. Yeah. Like you're saying, it, it feels like this could be a tone setter kind of game for the Chargers. Obviously, I don't have any sweeping declarations of where this team is headed, right? But I think after everything that has happened over the past few weeks, they just needed to be able to show that they can continue to stack up uh, quality performances and get got, get performances from the stars that you do have. You know, this is a big game for Austin Eckler. I know his uh, rushing yards over expected wasn't great, um, but you're talking about 60 yards from Austin Eckler, which I think was a big concern heading into this game. You're talking about seven catches for over 100 yards from Mike Williams. You're talking about Justin Herbert having a really good day. Um, Khalil Mack had a good day. Derwin had a good day. So Obviously, you lose Rashawn Slater and you lose Khalil Mack, and, and you know that's two of your four best players. But the rest of the other stars on this Chargers team, uh, for the most part, played really, really well today. Yeah, and, and guys, we had questions about like, okay, Mike Williams, like you've sandwiched one really good game between two bad ones. What can you do? And, and does it really even look like you know anything dominant? Or you just did you get that one jump ball and it went for eighty yards, and that's great? But then you were silent the rest of the game. No. It was a nice, consistent presence of those guys that we had questions about. And like you said, in particular, Mike Williams and Austin Eckler. Eckler looked great. Uh, huge and almost not full credit, but a lot of credit to the offensive line because that's that's the run game. That's how that works. But he looked great. He looked really, really great. And again, momentum heading into a game. Not that the Browns look all that great, but the Browns are going to run the ball better than anybody else they see the rest of the year probably. 
Um, and that was an issue today as well for the Chargers defense. Um, but just knowing that I don't know if they're in for another shootout like last year, but just knowing that there's some positive momentum, like if the run defense maybe gets away from them because, you know, the, the Cleveland Browns are coming to town, then you feel somewhat better. Yeah, I mean, obviously, that's going to be a, a big, big test. We talked about earlier this week, obviously, kind of the issue at the second level and the third levels, excuse me. Uh, and that really showed up again today. You know, Damian Pierce able to um, pop that that big run. And so you look at the box score, right? And you see, obviously, uh, 14 carries for 131 yards for Damian Pierce today. Um, but 75 of that count comes on one rushing attempt, which if certain players had done their jobs, then you're not talking about a 75-yard run, which really kind of opened the game for the Houston Texans. You could feel, you know, you talked about momentum earlier, that run from the Texans really kind of settled them down um, and allowed them to kind of execute at a higher level in the third quarter. Yeah, absolutely. That that run, I guess you can find different points for the momentum shift. I felt like after the filer miss on the screen, that was kind of a momentum mm-hmm. shift that we didn't really see because – I think that would have just sealed the game. It wouldn't be talking about some sort of conservative offense thing here. Um, but yeah, then that run, then the fumble, lots of momentum in this game, but it was good to see the Chargers withstand it. Yeah. And, you know, you're talking about the Gerald Everett drop as well as, as a point that really kind of shifted things because the Chargers obviously start second half of the ball and are just unable to get anything going that week. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens in that regard. I think from a player standpoint, we have to talk about Jamari Sawyer, man. I think, Please. I was, uh, like I said, a lot of nervous excitement heading into this game. Jerry Hughes, very good player. Um, Jonathan Grenard, good player. Rasheem Green, good player. Obviously, they're not like star players, but um, you know, Brad Spielberger, Brad Spielberger pointed out that Jerry Hughes had like the second highest win rate in mm-hmm. true pass sets of any edge rusher in the league heading into this game. Uh, and this is obviously subject to change, but so far. PFF has Jamari Sawyer has zero pressures given up. And again, that could change. That's not final. But I just, I mean, obviously I was really focusing in on him and seeing how he would do. And there were certainly some kinks that you're trying to work through. Um, sure. But you head into this game and you allow three total pressures as a team and zero from Jamari Sawyer, who didn't get any reps at left tackle or right tackle. Well, I guess he got one day of right tackle reps, but. Yeah. Um, you know, Jamari Sawyer switching positions in trying to replace Rashawn Slater, who I think is the best left tackle in the AFC. And Sawyer passed his first test with flying colors, man. We'll see what happens next week. Obviously, Miles Garrett is a different beast, and we don't know if he's playing yet. Um, but Jamari Sawyer gets a game ball from Brandon Staley. I'm yeah. sure he'll probably get a game ball from one of us uh, today. But just played so calm, so under control. There were three or four times where I saw Jerry Hughes try and hit him with a counter move or hit him, yeah. you know, uh, with a with a dip in a rip, which I know was kind of a big concern of his that we talked to him about. Um, but he played lights out, man. They were definitely helping him. There was some chipping going on, double teams. But whenever Jamari had to go one-on-one, he handled his business like a pro. And I think you have a lot of confidence, again, from that kind of performance. You know, Sawyer getting this, this start to his career is going to do so much for him going forward. And and he deserves a ton of flowers today for sure. I I couldn't believe it. I, I tweeted as much. <laughs> we liked him in the draft. We yeah. watched him play left tackle. We watched him go against Aiden Hutchinson. We interviewed him. The numbers are good. Everyone liked him. Everyone knew he's a good prospect. And you see it in camp. He dominates. He you know he beats out Hymas. He just beat out Norton, basically. Everything was so positive. Yet I have absolutely 
no guess that this was going to be the outcome today. There, It could have been anything. Could have been average. Could have been great. Could have been terrible. And for him to, again, you know, updates eventually from Pro Football Focus, zero pressures on a day. And yeah, are these guys big name guys that were facing at edge? No, but the numbers are very, very good. Mm-hmm. I think both the edge rushers or two of the three of them, their win rate was higher than Khalil Mack's. Are they Khalil Mack? No. But to start the year for three games, their win rates were higher. And this is a guy who literally did not take left tackle snaps since probably the game against Alabama. And then, <laughs> no, no, he was a guard that game, I think, in that, yeah. in that championship no, he game. He started left tackle, and then he switched to guard in the middle of the game. Yeah, so it's been it's been some time for Jamari, and he walked yeah. out there and so far allowed zero pressures. Um, Herbert was hit twice all game. I believe it was a the two guys that hit him, I believe it was a split on the sack. Just like that was it. Like he was clean the entire game. And, you know, I thought Herbert maybe bailed a bit early on some plays, but he was really able to just sit back and deal and do his thing. And I don't know, like it was just a very, very different Justin Herbert um, compared to last week, both in health, but also just, I don't know. He just, there was just something different with Jamari on the field. I stopped watching him after a quarter and a half. It was like Rashawn Slater. <laughs> yeah. It's like, eh, okay, he's got it covered. Why would I watch him? I'll watch him later. I'll watch the highlights because he's got it covered. I never would have expected Jamar to be this good in his first game. Yes. Are they, you know, the greatest players ever at edge? No, but they were really, really solid the first three weeks. Amazing. Like game ball by far the biggest pleasant surprise of the year for me so far. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, doing this, like I said, without any reps, that's so damn hard, man. So damn hard to come out in any game in the NFL and allow zero pressures, but let alone, you know, switching positions in the middle of the game and being able to do this kind of thing, man. It's it's unheard of. Like, frankly, you know, this is like Elton Jenkins kind of stuff for the Packers. And yeah, um, I'm not saying that he's going to be Elton Jenkins, right? Because Elton <laughs> Jenkins is probably one of the best linemen in the league. Sure. But, you know, he deserves so much credit for what he did today. And, you know, I can't wait to go in and watch the film. So um, I know the Texans technically get one sack on Justin Herbert, which was really just Justin kind of sliding and avoiding uh, a future hit. Um, But you get you head into this game against Houston. uh, Zero pressures from either of your tackles today. And again, that can change. It it might. But, um, you know. Trey Pipkins is good. Like I said yesterday, full stop. Like we're not talking about any yeah. qualifiers anymore. Mm-hmm. So I know that there are, are people on Twitter and people in uh, in this chat right now saying like, Jamari's your right tackle of the future. I think Trey Pipkins is the right tackle of the future, man. Like as crazy as that yeah. sounds and would have mm-hmm. sounded a month ago. I mean, Trey Pipkins has allowed like six pressures in four games. That's high level <laughs> right tackle play. It is like full stop. Like, yeah. Like, I mean, Pipkins, again, he has to keep continuing to do this, but Pipkins is playing his ass off right now. And he also mm-hmm. deserves a lot of credit today and for the season. Yeah, he does. I, I have, unless Pipkins is commanding some crazy contract, which he won't, there's no mm-hmm. first round bias. He hasn't been great before this year. That contract's pretty cheap and I'm giving it to him. I'll, I'll cut somebody else. I'll cut Filer for that contract. Yeah. The idea that you could have Rashawn Slater on a rookie contract, Jamari Salyer at left guard, which as I think is probably where they have to go if this continues, um, on a sixth-round rookie contract. You have Zion on a rookie contract. You have Trey Pipkins on a $4 million a year deal, $5 million yeah. a year deal. I mean, you're paying, what, $10 million a year maybe to four of your starters on the line. This might be <laughs> one of the best lines in the league. That's insane. Yeah. And it's a big real testament to Nugent and this offensive line group. 
you know, are they missing Frank Smith in the run game? I think so, absolutely. But mm -hmm. they've shown, at least when they have guys that they can do something with, they can do something with them. And I mean, again, going back to Jamari, look at the guys last year who were really, really good prospects who stunk as soon as teams moved them around back and forth, back and forth. Yeah. I mean, you had Jamari playing left guard, right guard, right tackle. He's like their fourth string center. So I'm, I'm sure that he was taking some reps <laughs> there. Yeah. And, you know, Alex, like, look at Alex Leatherwood. You know, he got cut so quickly, bust immediately. And that's a very, you know, uh, how are they at guard? You know, what would I have graded Alex differently at guard? Maybe, but that's a first round, second round pick. And he was a first round pick. For Jamari to be able to do what he did when some other guys with higher draft pedigrees could not, it's outstanding. And yeah, people said it in the chat. And this dude faced Georgia every fucking day. Like <laughs> he was pretty ready to go. And, yeah. you know, but you don't really know that. Like, yeah, okay. You, you know, you face all these guys, but sure. Like Alex Leatherwood, I'm sure faced a very good defensive line in practice every day. And he busted out immediately. Uh, Jamari, again, it, it's one game, but that was so damn impressive. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Again, you have to keep stacking these performances. Um, but if Jamari keeps this up, man, I think you feel great about the offensive line. And the nice thing there is you don't have to head into the draft and drafting offensive linemen. I think you should. I think it's smart to continually do that. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we headed into the last two drafts and like you have to double dip each of the years. And they did. And uh, obviously so far it's working out. And again, like I said yesterday, I think you feel a little bit different if this was the plan all along was mm -hmm. Sawyer to be this swing lineman at any position and that's what he was training at um mm -hmm. so that he's he's bailing out the chargers in, in that regard for sure um again very clean performance from the offensive line i think in general this really did feel like the philadelphia eagles game from last year you know uh eric smith pointed this out that you know we don't have official numbers yet but there was a lot more motion there was a heavier increase of rpos there were more bootlegs, more leak routes from Mike Williams and Trey Kitty and Gerald Everett. And it just felt like they headed into this game and said, okay, like we're going to lean into the easy things. And there were certainly some things to clean up. Like I said, we'll get into those. Um, but it did feel like they were prepared to, you know, give Justin Herbert and this offense some gimmies. And I, I think that's a smart approach going forward. I mean, what they did the last few weeks uh, is not sustainable when you're asking Justin Herbert to drop back 50 times a game and keep trying to do these traditional play action concepts uh, doesn't work when you don't have an offensive line that can you know really perform those and obviously you don't have the speed. So um, I, I just felt like the offensive game plan, to at least to start the game, at least in the first half, was just so much more clean than we've seen so far this year. Uh, and I think that should be encouraging going forward. Again, they have some things to clean up some personnel decisions that I think absolutely need to improve. Um, but more motion, more RPOs, more inside runs, more runs to the right side. We were all asking for that kind of thing, or at least I was. And I think you saw them do that. And I think, you know, the coaching staff deserves a, a tip of the cap for at least a, a minor one uh, for leaning into what I think is the smart approach for this game overall. Yeah. You can only get, you know, you can only ask for so much. Like against the Eagles, were they a great defense heading into that game? No. Last year, they really weren't. And the Chargers got, I forget how many points, but they scored on you know most of their drives. And things kind of looked simple, and they, they got things working, whether it was a screen to Steven Anderson or whatever it was. like Things just looked a bit easier that game. And yeah, they looked easier this game too. Again, are the Texans a good defense? No. It doesn't seem like they're a good defense. We knew that going into the game, and we clearly saw that today, that they're not the greatest defense ever. 
and who knows what's up with Stingley right now, but it was nice to see. And, and even just someone like Mike Williams go back to him. Mm-hmm. They could, it never seemed easy this whole year with Mike Williams on no. really anything. Um, I mean, maybe he thinks the jump ball is easy, but it's always like, what's, what's your separation? It's half a yard. It's just me being taller than you are jumping higher than you are. Uh, or I'm just a bigger body on a curl route. Today felt like a day where Mike Williams made things very easy for Joe Lombardi, made things very easy for Justin Herbert. Like, okay, I will separate on three different slants this game. And it was pretty no-brainer. You know, unless Herbert was going to be off target on the throws, he was wide open on three different slants. Mm-hmm. I think two of them either on the last drive or pretty close to the last drive that opened things up for the offense and really allowed them to continue. It was a very complete performance for Mike Williams. Things just look easier, and guys just also did things that you know made the offense more efficient because they, they showed up today. Yeah, I mean, we talked after the Chiefs game, like the amount of times that Mike Williams was getting targeted on third downs and fourth downs just hasn't really been there consistently, but today... It was. I mean, you know, Derek Stingley is a good young rookie corner. I know he was banged up at the end of the game, but uh, Williams had a really good game, man. I mean, I know there was like the one gimme on the post route, but um, I thought that he played a fantastic game. And again, showing up when the team needed it most, you lose obviously Keenan Allen, you lose Jalen Guy in. <laughs> Josh Palmer goes out in the, in the early in the second quarter and then comes back. Um, so Mike Williams shows up, man. And I think. <laughs> How about Michael Mandy, dude? Gets finally gets elevated like everybody's been clamoring for. Uh, Josh Palmer goes out, and then Mike Bandy comes in and he and he makes two huge plays right before the half. So, um, you know, we've been asking and asking this receiver core to step up to the task at hand. And I thought for the most part they really did that today. Yeah, I you know, I think Jamari Sawyer having a really good game is what we wanted, but we, I didn't realize I needed Michael Bandy <laughs> to show up on two separate corner routes or whatever it was and get, yeah. what do you end up with? 50 something yards, 40 something yards. You got 49 yards on two targets, two catches, two targets, yep. each of them like 20 something yarders. Uh, didn't know I needed that, but that was awesome. Will that continue for the chargers? Will they keep him active? I don't know. I really don't know what they're going to do, um, but they kind of have surprised us today, even with their actives inactives with Otito being inactive. So mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see. Although I guess Bandy is an elevation, not an active, inactive sort of thing. But I mean, yeah. Jason Moore, like zero targets. I, I don't, you know, not that he's bad. And I think he had, I think I remember on the stat sheet, he had like 50 yards last year against the Texans. But like Michael Bandy just walked onto the field and had two great plays on yeah. offense and was there a guy on special teams. Um, well, make a tackle there as well. So, and, and also, for being completely honest, DeAndre Carter didn't have the best day returning the ball. Um, so, Bandy is someone I would definitely consider. And, you know, if they had to bring Christian Covington onto the active roster because they were worried about someone signing him, I think a 50 yard day from Michael Bandy carrying over right from the preseason might be a reason to sign Michael Bandy off the practice squad. So, I think another team could poach him or he might have to make a decision. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't, again, this is like a very similar conversation to like Storm Norton and Jamari, where it's like, okay, our decision is to sign Jason Moore to the practice or to the active roster, but then we don't trust him over Michael Bandy when Josh Palmer goes down. Like it just, it doesn't, it didn't make any sense to me why you sign Jason Moore. Um, I guess Eddie pointing out that the uh, legal grounding was technically to Jason Moore. So he had one target, which was a penalty. So that's fun. <laughs> Great. Um, so it, it just didn't make sense to me why you signed Jason Moore so quickly. You Again, you could have waited. Mm-hmm. You could have elevated some guys to the active roster from the practice squad, and you don't have to waste signing him to the active roster. So 
Um, was definitely confusing there. Definitely confused about Otito playing over uh, Christian Covington. That said, I think the next group that I want to talk about here is the interior defensive line of the Chargers. And I know mm-hmm. that there were a couple big runs, but I mean, Morgan Fox, four pressures, at least two hits on Davis Mills and the sack. Uh, Sebastian Joseph Day right now has four pressures and a sack and another QB hit. Jerry Tillery forced a fumble, man. I think that this might have been Jerry Tillery's best game of his career. Like, I don't know. Uh, But this interior pass rush, we've been asking and asking and asking somebody to step up and and take some attention away from these edge rushers. And they showed up in a big way. And and the Texans interior is is nothing to laugh at, man. I mean, Kenyon Green has been playing really, really well. And obviously, we know how Scott Questenberry can play. And, you know, AJ can is, is a solid right guard. So, if you get this, obviously you're not going to get this exact production from the interior defensive line, but if you can just make teams honor your pass rush from the interior, I think that's going to do uh, pay huge dividends for Khalil Mack and the edge rusher group going forward. So uh, again, interior pass rushers today showed up in a big way. They did. Morgan Fox has continued to be a, just a nice, solid rotation piece for this team. At this rate, I'm absolutely bringing him back next year, both because of production um, on field look and just how it looks the way he's winning. Um, I believe he was at like, like an edge. Ru- no, he wasn't an edge rusher. Never mind. Khalil was the edge rusher on that hit that forced the interception, I believe. Yeah. Um, but still very, very productive. And yeah, Jerry Tillery, like I'll give it to you, dude. Honestly, we were waiting <laughs> for, you know, we were joking for three weeks, like Jerry Tillery exists challenge, but seriously, like Jerry Tillery was like a non-factor and to a certain extent, Sebastian Joseph day, different role, but he kind of was too. And mm-hmm. to see both those guys make an impact this game and Morgan Fox continue to look good. They needed something with Joey Bosa out. Like, I don't know. Did Rumpf and Van Noy have much today? I think Rumpf had two pressures, I believe, uh, based on early stats. They needed somebody else and they got somebody's else's. They got more mm-hmm. guys today to step up. And that was really, really good to see. Um, when is their next big quarterback matchup? Not next week. Uh, Broncos would be week six. Okay. Well, uh, so Chris Rumpf initial tally is three. Uh, Calvin only zero. Mm. So I didn't I really. What's s- the, yeah, I don't remember seeing him a ton at edge. To be honest with you, like I, I felt like I saw him play some run defense. I felt like I saw him more so rush the passer as like a blitzer in his old role. So mm-hmm. uh, curious to see how that snap breakdown works. There was some Derek. Uh, is it Tuxa? I don't even know how you say oh, it. Gosh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I felt like I saw him a lot more than I was expecting, but mm-hmm. um, it, it it felt like this was Chris Rump's job. Like it, it really did feel that way. So I thought he played okay. I mean, three pressures is nothing nothing to uh, you know laugh at, but um, there were definitely some run defense issues. Definitely some high moments. Um, so he's a young player in a new role, and you kind of expect that, but. Um, Obviously, you you want to see more from Calvin Oy going forward for sure. Ooh, we ended up with Chargers ended up with ten quarterback hits and four sacks. That's fantastic. I mean, things things did not look good for Davis Mills. Was it some of it self inflicted? Yeah, like he didn't play yeah. except for like twenty minutes. That gave us a heart attack. Um, he didn't play all that well, but still, like it was really really good job from the Chargers today. T twenty two says it's pronounced tu- Tusca, like a like a Tuscan Raider without the N. Oh, dude! If he sacks the quarterback, <laughs> I am making the Tuscan Ra- like that is my thing. I'll my thing. Just like hold a stick over my head and just like I'm not gonna do it here. He has to earn that. But, yeah, he does have to earn that. I mean, we'll yeah, see. Yeah. I I feel like I saw him like uh, like 
probably five or like five or six yeah. snaps, but wasn't a ton, but I wasn't really expecting to see him at all. Uh, T22 says, yes, sir. So Tuska t- with like Tuscan Raider, but without the end. So there we go. Um, all right. Tyler, anybody else you want to give a, a positive shout out here? Um, in certain moments, I think maybe there's a couple of plays that didn't work out, but I thought Asante Samuel Jr. was pretty solid. I'd um, like to see some tackles today. So that was good. Um, who else? I mean, we kind of covered the entire interior defensive line. So that was a big one today. Oh, Der- uh, Derwin James. Derwin James was awesome today. Uh, he mm-hmm. literally just asked him to do whatever. I, I don't know how many pass defenses he ended up with. Felt like three. Um, if it weren't, if it, was, if it wasn't three, then he was dropping guys short of the stick. So, I mean, Derwin, yeah, Derwin was awesome today. Yeah, at least according to ESPN, they have him at at two passes defended. But okay, <laughs> this broadcast group, man, I was I was just like, what are we saying here? Like this this oh yeah, uh, generational calling OJ Howard a generational talent. Like, what are we doing? Like, oh man, I was I was dying at that. And then the way that the lady was saying Khalil Mack, I'm like, oh gosh. I'm like, come on! So that was a that was a frustrating one. I mean, it was the bottom tier CBS broadcast group, but um, <laughs> <laughs> it was a it was a rough day. But you know, Derwin, he, it's just such a big advantage. You know, it, it changes the math, right? Because he's able to play man on man to man coverage uh, against mm-hmm. any of your tight ends. And obviously, when you're talking about you know Jordan Akins and OJ Howard, who are not good players, um, you know, he's able to just really kind of erase them. And I thought he was obviously fantastic so um i'm curious to see really what his snap breakdown uh in terms of like roles is from pff but mm-hmm. i felt like he was uh, again just great in coverage and he's able to really flip the map for them for sure yeah we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, I do want to bring this up only because people are asking about it at this point. There's like three super chats that are about it. Um, should we be concerned about JC's play? And there's other super chats as well. I want to re-watch what happened on that big play because my understanding on first watch was that he had outside leverage and he was supposed to have help from Monsieur Adderley inside the exact same way that he sort of you know got beat against the, the Chiefs and, and Watson or whatever his name is on that touchdown. So mm-hmm. Other than that, like yeah, that missed tackle sucked for sure against whatever the was it Akins or Atkins, the the tight end. But I wasn't super concerned overall. What did you think? Yeah, so Brandon said that he was asked about that, and he was he was pretty upset about it. It sounded like uh, again, it was the same play that the Chiefs did, uh, same mistake by Nasir Adderley. 
Um, so Nas is struggling, man. I, I don't I don't know what's happening. You know, there was a lot of positive talk around him um, heading into training camp, but I mean, every big play I feel like is is related to Nasir's struggles. Nasir's struggles. So, um, you know, he was he was really solid for them last year. Uh, he's been fine. I, I don't want to say he's like taking a big step back, but he definitely is not playing at the same level as last year. Um, you know, leaving your cornerback out to dry, especially one who is coming back off of ankle surgery, mm-hmm. is is not a great look for him. So, you know, I, I tweeted this out. I to me, safety is like number one in terms of draft needs at this point, because this, I know that people are going to talk about receiver going to, people are going to talk about offensive line and edge rusher and everything like that. This defense cannot function at any level. If you do not have quality safeties playing behind Derwin James. So Nazir Adley is really struggling in a big way. I, I hope that he's able to change it and, and bounce back. And, and we've seen, you know, again, like Austin Eckler has been struggling and he bounced back and Mike Williams was struggling and he bounced back. I'm hoping the same can be said for Nazir Adderley, but I mean, he's, he's not playing great right now. So long way of answering that. I'm not super concerned about JC just yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is him, you know, kind of, he's got to work his way back into shape. I mean, he's only had yeah. two practices in the last two months. So um, be patient with JC. You know, he's got to get back into the swing of things. He's still learning any defense, um, but I'm definitely starting to be concerned about Nasir Adderley. Yeah, I, I agree with JC, and I'm glad you caught that, that Staley did clarify about that play because it, it did look like the exact same thing. Um, I, I was ready to kind of not debate you, but like about the whole safety being the number one concern heading into <laughs> next year. Obviously, that'll depend. Like if, if Pipkins is not right. back, and, and then maybe like we're having a different conversation, but assuming he is back, I was going through it. It's like, well, okay, like, how do I usually look at the draft? Okay, they have the line figured out. Edge, maybe. Like, and I think Edge is definitely still up there. Um, receiver would be good. But then, like, you have two. And I think they have the same philosophy where well, they have Mike Williams, they have Keenan Allen, they have Josh Palmer. Therefore, we don't need to draft a receiver in the first round. That's kind of just what they did last year. Yeah, um, it's going to be the same round. conversation. Like, right. everyone needs to prepare yourselves right now. They are not drafting a receiver in the first round next year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll wait a little bit to, to officially say that, but I do feel like um, your point about safety was right. And looking over, you know, I mean, heading into this game, just particular talking about the run, I was concerned about Nasir Adderley and what happened right mm-hmm. now. There are rushes. And the first one should have been a touchdown of 52, 50 and 75 that went right past him. You yeah. can't win close games in the third and fourth quarter in the second half when guys are just getting free touchdowns now now that's not all on him right there's 10 other guys in the field as well um but you got to be a little bit better than that so you've got those three plays which are definitely concerning and then we just talked about the second time this past year where jc had outside leverage adderley was either absent or did the wrong thing left him hanging so that's a 41 yard touchdown to justin watson and then the 58 yarder today to nico collins so so Nasir Adderley, the last four weeks, has allowed five 40-yard plays to, yeah. to go his way. Uh, not that he's completely responsible, but he's very much so responsible. Um, and th- that's just the ones I can think of at the top of my head. There might have been other passes that went his way um, that he wasn't in, in you know around for to do anything about. But that's a lot. And the, the Chargers, um, EJ Snyder from the Bootleg Football Podcast posted that the Chargers have given up the most second-half points in the league. And yeah, looking at some of these plays, they run a 52, they run a 50, you know, the run of 75 today, Justin Watson, maybe even would have been the second quarter. 
mm-hmm. um, but then the 58 yard of Nico Collins. Like, if you're trying to close out games, like forget, you know, Lombardi's conservative play calling or whatever. If you're giving up a 40 or 50 yard play every single game, and that's literally just the one I can think of that was your fault, it's going to be very difficult for the Chargers to close out games. So I have faith in him improving and getting better, but things just look a little funky right now. And I'm not entirely sure why. Yeah, there's there's a disconnect to me when it comes to the way that they are kind of defending these these big runs. And so um, the same thing that happened against uh, the Jaguars happened again today. So I guess the Jaguars, you know, they go heavy, heavy package. They bring three tight ends in and the three tight ends are all on the left side of the offense. And so Kyle Vanoy is out there. You're in, uh, you're in a penny package, which is five defensive linemen, one linebacker, and then five defensive backs. And so Kyle Vanoy just shoots the gap inside. And essentially, he takes himself out of the play. But there's an argument to be had, like, okay, like maybe his job is to say, I'm just going to try and mess up these blockers. And hopefully my guys behind me are able to, you know, make up the difference. So against the Jaguars, Bryce Callahan and Nasir Adderley run into each other and take themselves out of the play. And, you know, they, the Jaguars are really smart in that, in that approach. They ran opposite of Khalil Mack and Drew Tranquil and Derwin James. Weird. <laughs> smart things happen when you go on the opposite side of the three best players on defense. And then today, the same thing. Chris Rumpf is on the right side and Nasir Adderley's out there. Drew Tranquil's out there. And Chris Rump shoots the gap and slants inside, which theoretically should have allowed Drew Tranquil or Nasir Adderley to come up and make the play. But both of them over-pursued or took a bad angle. Drew Tranquil shot way towards, way too far to the sideline, and Nasir Adderley was too slow getting over. So it, it was the same issue, right? You're, if you're going to instruct your edge rusher to just shoot inside and try and take two blockers with him, you have to be sound over the top flowing to the ball and the Chargers have not been able to do that. So um, there's some disconnect because I feel like from a front perspective, the Chargers are playing the run very, very well. But there's this weird thing with Kenneth Murray shooting the gaps in, in, in taking himself out of plays. There's Nasir Adderley taking himself out of plays. There's Bryce Callahan taking himself out of plays. So I don't know, I don't know how they fix this because if their plan for Kenneth Murray is say, hey, just like go shoot this gap and figure it out, I, I don't know how that changes. So... There's a disconnect with the run defense for sure that's causing these big plays. But mm-hmm. I think from a front perspective, the Chargers defense is playing pretty well. You just yeah. need better from your second and third levels. Yeah, it's tough to watch. Like you said, you know, the, the defense, I don't know what the yards per carry was for Damian Pierce outside of that 75 yard run, but like they're playing pretty well. Then all of a sudden, boom, 75 yards and everything looks, you know, terrible. He gets his, you know, career defining, you know, game uh, <laughs> of the season. Yeah. And, um, you know, hopefully they play better because the Browns are on deck and that doesn't sound very fun. We've seen that happen before and hopefully the DBs can wrap up. I don't even know if did anyone have a run stop today in run defense Derwin, maybe there were some pass stops for oh, sure. in terms of secondary. Mm-hmm. No, I feel like Derwin was maybe the only one. Asante had some really good plays. He did in terms of uh, like those quick RPOs and coming up in, in uh, support that way. Yeah. But no, outside of Derwin, I would be pretty surprised if any of the safeties or any of the DBs had uh, a run stop. Yeah. Uh, to your question, though, if you take out the 75-yarder, um, it was uh, 4.3 yards per carry for Damian Pierce. Oh, 56 so still- yards on 13 carries, which, again, it's not great, but 
you know, shows how important it is to not allow that big play. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I, my biggest gripe from today, from the offensive perspective, is the way that this team did not just simply keep the personnel that was working. I mean, you're talking about a first half where you score 27 points on the board and you have Joshua Kelly, Austin Eckler, Mike Williams, Michael Bandy. They're all making big plays, right? And then in the second half, it was like almost like they just, they wanted to establish Sony Michelle so badly. I don't understand what is happening. And I get it. You know, Sony Michelle is a, is a vested veteran. He's done a lot of good things in this league. He was the Rams leading director last year. Um, the way that they used him was poor as well, but I don't understand if you're in this running back by committee, why are you not continuing to ride the hot hands, which were Austin Eckler and Joshua Kelly? The run game looks so much better with them in, and you know, they're able to do play action, which I talked about yesterday. Like the biggest problem of the chargers offense was that nobody gives a shit about their play action game because they can't run the ball. And in the second half, it was just, it was weird. Like, why are we running toss plays with Sony Michelle? Why are we running outside zone plays with Sony Michelle to the left with Sawyer and Filer? Then that's not really their game together. So I I have a big issue with the way that they abandoned what was working. Not necessarily like their overall strategy. Like there were people obviously talking about being too conservative, but you're up 20 on the Texans. You have a backup left tackle, your quarterback's banged up, you don't have Keenan Allen, you don't have Josh Palmer. I'm okay with the overall strategy of running the ball. I'm not okay with the way they went about it. And Sony Michelle, again, I was excited about that signing, but we've had four games and he's under three yards of carry. And it's just, it's bad. So if you want to activate Isaiah Spiller and, and let not even activate because he's on the active roster, but if you want him to be your RB3, that's fine. But this backfield should be 90% so Austin Eckler and Joshua Kelly at this point, in my opinion. And we've seen that in glimpses, right? But they've just never leaned into it. So um, that's my biggest issue from the offensive game plan today. It's not that they were like too conservative or that they ran the ball too much. The Sony Michelle thing just you know, needs to stop. And the way that they're using him needs to stop, in my opinion. Yeah, the idea of Michelle getting touches in the game, a couple of touches, three touches, four touches. Okay, like, uh, sure. And, and he did have a great run on, I think, third and two today. Absolutely. where that absolutely should have been a tackle for loss. And somehow he was able to keep going for a first down. Um, so, you know, he deserves to be out there in some capacity. I don't want to just take Michelle off the field. I just think, you know, you and I and everybody just wants Kelly to be on the field to yeah. a certain extent. And, and last week, he didn't have a carry until literally the final carry of the game. And it went for negative three yards. And that was it. And, you know, I don't need him to replace Austin Eckler. I don't need him to be the RB1B. Or whatever, but I just completely forgetting him. Yeah. I and mean, you have him okay, I get it. Looking at last year wasn't great, but you see him look good in, in training camp, you see him look good in the preseason, you see him look good kind of even this season in, in small moments, and then you see him look good in this particular game. And they go, eh, Sony Michelle. <laughs> you know, almost kind of like the way they had Jalen Guyton had that huge play against the Jaguars, and then we just never saw him again until somebody else got hurt. Maybe he wasn't open, I don't know. But I have a feeling he didn't have many snaps until Palmer really went out. I just I don't know what the decision is there for Sony Michelle yeah. to his defense a bit. The run blocking also didn't look that great um, in the second half. He didn't get many you know favors, and the Texans defense sure. did play pretty well. But yeah, it just it looks different with Joshua Kelly when it comes to running backs too. 
listen, he's he's healthier, I would assume. He's younger. He's more fresh. There's less mileage. I don't see why you wouldn't, no offense to running backs, run him into the ground until it doesn't work. <laughs> like you have a back yeah. on a rookie contract. You keep getting these backs on rookie contracts because you don't want them to stack up so much mileage. Why not run Joshua Kelly into the ground, especially when the numbers say that, hey, he's pretty good. And just the eye test. I don't know what it is, but Joshua Kelly right now, there's a half yard more in pop. He's a little faster. He's a little stronger. Things just look a bit different. Whereas Michelle, he can get you three, four yards of carry, although I don't think he is right now. But it just looks tough. It just looks slow. It requires good blocking. I feel like Kelly can get you a bit more. So I'd love to, I would love to know why they keep moving away from Joshua Kelly. And if you know, if Isaiah Spiller can't get on the field because he's not the third or second best back, and so he has to keep fighting for his job, what made Michelle immediately get on the field so quickly over guys when they don't like they don't he doesn't look better than Joshua Kelly right now, even in small sample size. So uh, definitely a bit confusing there. Would love to know why Kelly is not getting more touches. Yeah, I think if you want to keep him as your short yardage back and keep him as a goal line back, I think that's fine. Um, you know, credit to him. There were two instances in which he probably should have been tackled for loss. And then he ended up getting a first down late in the third quarter and early in the fourth quarter. Um, but I just, I, I don't like the, the way that they handle the rotation. Cause in the first half, it was all Eckler and Kelly. It was working. And then in the second half, I feel like he, I feel like Michelle played more snaps than Eckler in the second half. Like I just, until the very end when it was like, okay, we, now we have to score points. Let's get Austin back involved. <laughs> right. So I just, I don't like the way that they went about it. And, you know, I, I thought that they were really smart in the way that they got the run game going in the first half. And then in the second half, it was like they, they just wanted to see what, if uh, Jamari Sawyer could do what Rashawn does and do all these outside zone things mm-hmm. and do all these uh, sweep toss looks and things like that. And it just, it didn't work. And, you know, maybe they'll make that adjustment going forward. But I, I just want to see them lean into the guys that are earning the snaps and earning the production yeah. because Joshua Kelly is just a far superior back at this point. Um, and like I said, I think this should be 90% Eckler and Joshua Kelly going forward. Yeah, it was so confusing last year to watch them try to cycle through this rotation of like, okay, Kelly's active. Yeah. But then Roundtree's like Kelly would have 40 yards and they make Roundtree active and then he'd get four yards. And then they'd make somebody else active. And then they'd have, um, what's his name? Not Gainwell. Who was the guy that we had? The bigger guy. Oh. Bradwell. <laughs> Bradwell. There you go. Bradwell. Yeah, There's Bradwell. Bradwell. Yeah, they'd have him active and he'd get a target. Like, what are we doing? And then suddenly yeah. they settled into this thing where it was like, okay, yeah. Austin Eckler's are obviously our best back. Justin Jackson's our next best back. We'll need a third guy just because. But we're just going with those guys the rest of the way. So hopefully yeah, they eventually true. settle into that. Um, but it's hopefully sooner rather than later. Yeah, absolutely. Um, anything else that you want to hit on from uh, an adjustment standpoint, from a negative standpoint, um, before we kind of move on to the, to the end of the show? Um, I don't know. Like, I don't know what people wanted from the second half from Lombardi. Yeah, or success, obviously, is what you'd want. Right. But like, I didn't. Like my prediction for this game was 23-20 or whatever it was, 23-21. They scored 34. And so that's better than I expected. So to me, I'm like, okay, I see a lot of positives. You're literally down your best player outside of Justin Herbert on offense, I think, in Keenan Allen. And he did he scored 34 points. And, and your third in Slater. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So 
I, I don't know what people expected. I think, again, we are one Matt Filer awareness play away from Austin Eckler having like another 60 yards on a screen because that thing looked like it was going to be gone. They absolutely fooled the entire Texans defense on that screen, except for the one guy who was unblocked by three Chargers players. Otherwise, yeah. that thing was gone. It was literally like the exact same play they had against the Broncos last year where Eckler got, I think, 40 yards on a reception. That thing was gone. Mm-hmm. And But now we're not talking about that because they missed a block, ever drops a ball, poof, here we are. Um, you know, what I, I would want them to, like you said, move away from those outside zone runs with Jamari out there. That's just not him. And I don't even know why you think that's him. The toss plays, I think you just like have to run them because you can't always run inside. Like, I don't know. Like, I feel like they're just there to show something else. Um, it's just not really working outside right now. So just stick to the guys that work. And uh, that's kind of it for me in the second half. You know, execute better. I know people are again are frustrated by the lack of, of second half explosiveness, but I'm not super concerned just yet. Like they did a pretty solid job today overall. Yeah, I think um you wanted to see this offense take a step forward. And I, I think they did that today. You know, Eric Smith was all over the, you know, explosive plays happening today. And I think they ended up uh matching the amount of explosive plays that they had in the first three games, uh, basically at like the start of the fourth quarter. Um, so I felt like the offense did take a step forward. I felt like the play calling for the most part was, uh, much better than what we saw against the Jaguars for sure. And definitely better than the second half against the chiefs. Um, you just want to see some tweaks. You want to see some better execution. I mean, that, that drop from Gerald Everett, man was so egregious. He probably got away for the offensive pass interference as well. Um, but you just can't have things like that. You can't have things like the screen pass. Um, and also like the play where Justin Herbert steps up and he ends up kind of just sliding and taking a sack. Yeah. Those three things were all kind of drive killers. And, you know, the chargers have been not so great at avoiding the negative plays today. For the most part, they were pretty good in that regard. And you want to see them continue to build that. So, um, the offensive performance today was was solid for me. I wish that they would continue to sustain drives in the second half and, like I said, lean into the personnel that's working. But we all wanted to see a step forward. We were not optimistic of them scoring more than 28 points, let alone 25. Um, so you get 34 points on the board. I think everybody should at least at least take that uh, yeah. and be relatively pleased with the performance overall. And I'm looking for, as Michael Lopez points out, not anytime soon, but soon-ish. Herbert moving a bit more. Things just look funky. And he's always had this weird, like last year, he'd step up, but like not really, but he'd try to run, but then he, eh, then he would slide and like right into the Patriots, you know, defensive line. It's like, well, why would you do that? And so things were just kind of awkward. They're still awkward. I get why he would slide. Do you want to take those unnecessary hits in the open field? But I would, I would hope that you would, almost just like a, an easy fix and evolution to their offense. Herbert gets healthy. Herbert should move more. Like he should be able to run more. And I think we're going to see that. Just we haven't quite been able to see that just yet. Yeah, and I thought he played significantly better today. I mean, there was mm-hmm. he got pretty lucky on the one uh, dropped interception from the linebacker when the linebacker <laughs> like yeah. jumped for no reason. Which I was like, <laughs> oh, like live. I was like, what is Justin doing? Like that's a pick. And then they're like, oh no, he dropped. And I was like, okay, all right. Yeah, but uh, other than that, I thought he played a really clean game. Uh, ran the offense at a high level. I mean, had some really high level throws as well, like he always does. Um, so I, I think this was again a very positive step forward for Justin Herbert. The broadcast said before the game that he was like wincing and was like not yeah uh, feeling super good, I guess. But 
Uh, I don't know if he took a pain killing shot or not, but um, you know, overall as, as Justin continues to progress with his health, then the offense should theoretically get better. And again, like you mentioned earlier, you get Keenan back next week, potentially. Mm -hmm. I, I kind of doubt that. You should get Donald Parham back, though, and I think that'll yeah. be a, another boost, especially in the run game. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right. I think I know where I'm going with uh, my <laughs> game ball for today, uh, but where is your head at in terms of uh, giving out a game ball today? All right. Well, then I will not take that player. Um, <laughs> I will take... I will, I'll take Mike Williams because he was through the first two games, my worst graded wide receiver of the bunch. Don't know after the Jaguars game, I would imagine it wouldn't have been that great. Again, the highlight plays are there, but what about every other play? When you watch 50 of his plays, it's really not that great. It's just three really, really solid ones. And that's kind of why he got paid $20 million. But today was the first time I really think since the chiefs game. Um, yeah. He, he had great moments against the Raiders in that final game last year. But that was just kind of like a, a desperation, crazy fourth down, um, whatnot. I, I have not seen him win on those man-to-man -man coverage slants probably since the Chiefs game in Arrowhead last year in week three. It yeah. had been a really long time since I saw Mike Williams win in more ways than just, I am bigger, I am stronger, I might be faster, or whatever. Like like, empire. Yeah, exactly. And listen, that is great for him. He's good at those <laughs> things as well. But you can't, like, you're sometimes you just need a third and three a third and four, third and six, whatever it is. And Mike Williams has really struggled, at least as, as I can remember last year, versus press. Like, that's just really not his thing. Against man, he's not great. He can't separate. So today, see three different, like, like forget the big shallow cross that went for 40 or whatever it is. Forget all that. I love today, like, the three plays that went for 28 yards or whatever it was. Those slants to me were huge. Because if you can get that and you bring Keenan Allen back, Things are like that. Just it's very, very different. Mike Williams has not really been the same post injury. I think it was against the Browns last year or whatever it was. Mm. And he really just like that looked like the guy that started out 2021 so hot and earned his $20 million. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a good call. Like I said, they needed Mike Williams to have this kind of game, especially after Josh Palmer goes out. Um, you know, a receiver core of Mike Williams and DeAndre Carter and Michael Bandy and Jason Moore. It's like, okay, like we need our $20 million guy to step up, and, and he absolutely did that. Uh, sounds like Arjun would give a game ball to the interior defensive line. Uh, Sebastian, Joseph Day, Morgan Fox in particular. Cool mm -hmm. I don't know if he wants to drop run-stop stats. I don't know if those are available on Pro Football Focus, but if they are Arjun, uh, feel free to uh, hand those out. But we obviously talked about the pressures and uh, mm -hmm. well-deserved there. Um, game ball for me obviously has to be Jamari, man. Like, Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to talk about this all week. What he did this week is insane. Um, you know, it, it does not make any sense for, I know he, he probably should have been a, a higher draft pick, right? But yeah. a six round pick training exclusively at guard. And then Rajon Slater goes in, goes, gets injured. And you have three practices, three practices <laughs> to pick up left tackle in the NFL is just insane, man. Like my brain thinking of that this outcome happening yesterday there, there's no way like i like you said earlier i picture like a solid performance you know, did some yeah. good things had some struggles probably got beat a couple times him allowing zero pressures and again that of course is subject to change it just it's unheard of to me to look at a charger offensive lineman training that guard and then playing tackle and then potentially dominating this game against the Houston Texans. Mm -hmm. um, so Jamari Sawyer, you got a game ball from Brandon Staley. 
He gets a game ball from me. I cannot wait to watch the film, but just so under control, so poised. Felt like he had an answer for everything that the Texans were throwing at him. Um, so it's just, it, it's unheard of, man. It really is to me to look at what he was able to do. And again, I think this is going to give him a ton of confidence going forward. Yeah, I, I don't, never would have guessed. I really just would not have guessed this performance. And it was calm. You know, I, I don't think he was penalized. I, there's no, you know, crazy holding penalty. Yeah. No one beat him on the outside, to my recollection. Everything just looked really like people trying to spin moves, all sorts of things. He was just patient. He was striking early. He would kind of did whatever he wanted. Um, I don't remember. I, I mean, you chat, maybe think of one. When was the last time a rookie not in the first round had a debut this good? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I mean, technically Keenan had a solid first game against the Eagles, but that wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like he like was the number one receiver and was getting a hundred. Like to me, this is like a hundred and fifty yard game from a rookie, you know, six yeah. round pick receiver. Like for him to be that good, I just I didn't expect it. If you guys can in the chat can think of another rookie debut from a non first rounder that was that good, let me know. I think this one is, it's up there. Yeah, I think Asante last year at Washington was good, but it was obviously it didn't feel like this. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't really remember what like Hunter Henry did, but in terms of a day three pick, man, never happened. Never happened. I mean, I shouldn't say never because you know there's always somebody. I feel like, but in my <laughs> lifetime, man, I can't remember a day three pick in his debut coming in and playing like this. Um, just again, biggest hat tip possible to Jamari Seller today. Yes, as Arjun points out, got the uh, gak bump. Did it absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you had the Everett interview after the Chiefs game. So I would yeah. say there's a mild got bump there for sure. Got the touchdown today. Uh, picking on poor Jalen Petre. And yeah, Salier. Uh, delayed, much delayed. But he got the, the got bump for sure. So I, I still take credit for that. Uh, don't talk to me about the fact <laughs> that we interviewed Larry Roundtree. <laughs> He's really the only one, though. But I think he actually scored. I think he scored his first touchdown after Did he interviewed him last year. Okay. All right. All right. So All right. I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, Arjun also pointing out that Sebastian and uh, Sebastian Joseph Day and Austin Johnson each had three mm-hmm. run stops, so that's a big day for Sebastian Joseph Day. Uh, you know, having three run stops, a sack, a quarterback hit. Um, uh, you know, that's a four total pressures. So, um, I think he's deserving of, of a game ball as well. Yeah, absolutely. I can't wait to watch. I, I wasn't sure how much pressure and how much how active he was like initially, like immediately, I should say, within those two and a half seconds. But see, you got four pressures and three run stops. That's huge. Yeah. Uh, Thomas Martinez said maybe Desmond King. Um, Ooh. Depends that's on the probably a good game. call, yeah. It, I don't remember what his first game was like. As a rookie? Yeah, totally. I don't remember what his Lynn first said game said Horvath. <laughs> that's fair, too. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> For a full no one was more efficient. Yeah, <laughs> you, you can't see. And I was hoping they would do that on fourth fourth down. They went sort of something similar to Austin Eckler and it worked. So, Hey, yeah. Yeah. Xander Horvath, man. Not bad. Yeah, absolutely. But again, no sweeping declarations today for me. I I think this was a positive step in the right Mm -hmm. direction. There are definitely some things that this team needs to clean up overall, um, but they needed to get back on track and they were able to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, It was not always super pretty. It was probably too close for comfort. Um, Hugo pointing out true triangle. That's probably a good decision as well. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, man, this this team needed this performance, and you know if they had lost today, you're talking about a season like going down the drain because then you're going yeah. to Cleveland, then you're playing the Broncos. Like, if you start one and five, like 
that would have been a brutal, brutal sequence. So now I think you feel better about this team heading to Cleveland next week, being, you know, mm -hmm. in a much better place offensively going forward and, and getting some more reinforcements potentially down the road. So uh, Tyler, any final thoughts, man? No, that, that's mostly it. Like you said, no, no sweeping declarations. I'm not going to say they're contenders again. They beat <laughs> up a bad Texans team that picked third last year. Um, and they still almost let that Texans team win. But momentum, it was positive. It feels good heading into this week. I assume I will pick the, the Chargers to beat the Browns this week. It feels good. Like this was a nice place to leave off after last week. All I can say is the Chargers look like a better team and a more yeah, a complete team, but a, a team that's on the rise, I guess, after their loss to the Jaguars. And that feels good. So momentum is good. Uh, Broncos lost. So I'm happy. Yeah, I mean, uh, we're one Chiefs loss away from being uh, a two and two division. Looks like. Oh, that's right. They play the Bucks. Yeah. Ooh, go uh, Bucks! <laughs> I know, right? But Thomas yeah. points out draft would have started tonight had they lost. Hundred uh, percent would have mm -hmm. fired up some uh, college tape this week if that were the case. Yeah. Okay. Wait. Last thing. I'm not saying Joel Lombardi is great, but yes, watch Denver <laughs> or like Carolina or a lot of teams in the league and, and tell me that Joel Lombardi is bad. Like, yes. Things should be better, absolutely. But by golly, we could be the Matt Rule-led Carolina Panthers, and we're not that, so I feel pretty good. Yeah, I, I've said this a few times. I think there are like five or six elite play callers in the league, and everybody else is is trying to get a B-level coordinator, B-level coaching plan. Like I think Broncos fans would probably take Joe Lombardi at this point uh, over what they're currently experiencing, so um you know it, it could always be worse that's obviously not an endorsement of joe lombardi or anything like that but it could always be worse yeah people are saying that randy gregory got carded off hopefully oh, wow. not to take a shit or hopefully it was to take a shit like uh dk metcalf <laughs> did you see his tweet him. after yeah it's like the butt clinch wasn't going to cut it or whatever like <laughs> I love DK Metcalf, man. He's he's yeah. such good content. So that was uh, hilarious. Him getting carted off, and you know I have him in fantasy, so I see that he, you know, I'm watching the Chargers game, and I get this Yahoo notification: uh, DK Metcalf being carted off. I was like, "You're fucking kidding me!" Like, no way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he comes back in. I was like, "What the heck happened?" And then it turns yeah. out he just had to take a dump. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah, Melvin Gordon fumbled today. Uh, there's a chance that we will face Melvin Gordon the entire game. Oh, and my mom came up clutch with the super sticker. Thanks, mom. There we go. Yeah, I think um, Alex Boone, is that his yeah. name? The third string? I think that's the guy who used to be on the Vikings. Yeah, there's a couple Boons, I feel like, in the league. Yeah. Um, but no, should be fun, like I said. Um, definitely no declarations today, but uh, stack this performance up with another positive performance next week and another one after that. That's really what this league is about, man. Battle through adversity stack up the wins and and kind of see what happens so uh good day for the chargers overall obviously wish it could be better they can certainly clean things up but step in the right direction for sure um all right that's going to do it for us appreciate all of you guys tuning in after this uh performance hopefully you have a good rest of the week we'll be back on tuesday with our preview for the cleveland browns game quick turnaround of course um alex will be back for that one and then uh you know we'll see kind of what happens throughout the week with uh you know some of these injury updates hopefully on tuesday and on saturday we won't have to spend 30 minutes talking about injuries um but should be uh should be a more positive injury talk over the next couple of weeks so uh tyler appreciate it again appreciate everybody in the chat today and uh that's gonna do it hold up